let's see here. I had a song for this that I wanted to start the show off. Oh, yeah, here it is. Milwaukee Brewers, baby. How about Joey Weimer turn up the heat? Five RBIs, two dingers, and how about Corbin Burns? Dude was a baller out there on the mound. Eight innings, only giving up two hits, striking out nine with 96 pitches as the Brewers beat the brakes off the Orioles. Ten to two, and oh my God, does it feel so good. Rowdy? Good morning. How are you doing? Yeah, Brewers already took the series for the Orioles. That's right, baby. Going for the one sweep. More, one more game this afternoon. But uh, my question was, when I was watching everything unfold last night, the very first thing that went through my mind, do we still have anyone out there that thinks Corbin Burns is sandbagging? Uh, we have one. His name is his name is called the King RX on Twitter, or Rory Argayadashano. He says... Uh, uh, let's see. King, are you still out on Corbin Burns or are you just uh, doing your trolling? I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, dude, Burns was just dynamic last night, Rowdy. He was just I dialed mean, in. He went eight innings, gave up two hits, no walks, no runs, nine strikeouts. And how about the offense actually backing up uh, one of their awesome pitching performances? Uh, unbelievable. Uh, Corbin Burns. <clears throat> Go back through, look at Corbin Burns starts this season he's had three bad ones and two out of the three were the first two of the season uh, the king just responded rowdy he said the ump was generous last night oh yeah sure. <laughs> that's just king trolling yeah corbin burns matched his longest outing of the season while just throwing 96 pitches and here's the other thing he wasn't ejected from the game like he was last start rowdy he kept this cool <laughs> <laughs> and obviously the other guy that you brought up joey weimer clearly has to be talked about as Joey Weimer went four for four with two home runs, five RBIs, two runs. And Oh, by the way, he didn't hit for the cycle last night, but he needed a triple instead decided to double up on the home run. <laughs> yeah. And you'll take it, dude. So looking at it's Joey the mullet. Weimer, it's the mullet of Joey Weimer. Uh, he, Came out, you know what, those first two to three weeks, kind of like all of the freshmen, uh-huh. and he came out pretty hot. And then all of a sudden, it was like he went on that really cold streak for like six, seven weeks where, you know what, they might have got a little bit of a book on him in the first month. Uh, he struggled. His batting average was extremely low. It cratered out at 186. For the month of May combined, he batted 160. No. Oh. You turn the calendar page to June. He's batting 478 in June. Jesus. And he's raised his batting average from June 1st when he entered of 199 to 231. Yeah. Now, that you might say, well, it's early in the season. It is early in the season. Is but it? We're, we're into June. Is it early? We're, we're kind of like on, you know, we're, we're creeping closer to the middle part of June. He has been basically playing every single day since game two. Mm-hmm. He's basically played every single game. Yeah. And, you know, I was actually looking at his stats because I've talked about how Joey Weimer, ideally at the earliest, if everyone had been healthy Weimer, and wasn't Weimer, forced into action, Weimer. Joey Weimer was probably a September call up. Yeah. 
at best, he was a late-season September-type call-up. He was a guy that last season finally hit AAA with about a month, month and a half left, and he only played a month, month and a half at AAA. He was a guy, much of like we talked with Jordan Love, he didn't get a 2020 season because he was drafted in 2020. We actually, I got him on the show, we interviewed him. He was sitting on his parents' porch, not knowing what was going to happen because there was no minor league baseball for him to go play, nowhere for him to go walk, uh, work out. He was sitting on a porch waiting to do some hitting at his family's house. Yeah, that's all he was doing. And so that took away like half a summer for him to play baseball. Yeah. And he was a guy that was very toolsy, but also was a project, needed some work. He was a guy that needed to be buffed out. Now, you look at him fast forward to now, I think it's even more impressive what you're seeing from Joey Weimer because he started out hot. It looks like they had a book on him or at least started to figure him out. He's made an adjustment already in his big league career, and it seems like in the past week he's starting to kind of figure it out. That's, that's something that the Brewers probably weren't even preparing him for until, like I said, Injury. late year this year yeah. or like May of next year, yeah. but he's here now and he's doing it. And you know, what's one thing that I really liked about Joey Weimer, his hair. <laughs> well, other than the, the, the sweet mullet that he now has, what's that? it was one thing that he said early in the season where he started to struggle. It was, you know, I not going to be up here every single game and being able to, you know, hit a home run or have multiple hits. But when I'm not hitting, I have to figure out ways to get better and to help this team win. And I think we're seeing that when you see Joey Weimer, he's able to play center field. He's athletic. He's fast. He's got a good arm. And he's a guy that can hit a little bit. And he's got some pop, clearly. But I went back through and I ran kind of if the season ended today, what he was on pace for. Yeah, (laughs) what'd you figure out? So this would be... Joey Weimer's essentially if Joey Weimer got a full season of at bats and this is already basically a year before the Brewers wanted him here. Yeah. He would hit if you extrapolate this out for a full season. Now I get granted. I get it. He's really hot. Fiery hot the last week Four for four. It's still early in the year. So the average can move a bit, but he is on pace to have a two thirty one season. With 26 home runs, 73 RBIs, mm. eight stolen bases, and he's been hitting in a nine hole pretty much the <laughs> entire season. And like I said, he's in the big leagues earlier than expected due to all the injuries. Yeah, the dude is. I mean, other than the batting average, are you really upset with the guy in his first big league season if he gets to 26 home no, runs, not at all. 73 RBIs, or 28 stolen bases? No. At this point, Joey Weimer's a 25-25 guy. That's impressive, especially for a kid that's 24. Yeah, and, and again, we wouldn't have seen him if it wasn't for injury early on uh, in this season. And now he's like, right now he's the heartbeat of the Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, offensively, the if dude's you crushing watch, it. You can tell he's locked in just because... I don't care what any other pundit says at any time on on any radio station. If you see Joey Weimer, you can tell he's locked in because that first home run he hit, he sat back on the ball, let it come to him, served it out to right center, and he, I mean, he still hit it well, but he stayed right on a pitch that was on the outside corner and took it over the right center wall, and it wasn't like it was a cheap home run to, like, barely you know, wall scraping that was to right center where it's a little deeper. 
He was right on it. He let he sat back. He watched the ball come in. He took it the other way, and he put a nice swing on it. That's how you know someone's locked in. And then you move forward to the second home run. It was a hanging breaking ball, curveball, a little bit above the, the belt. But he sat back and just uncorked on it. Like the guy hitting it to right for a home run, home run hitting it to left for a home run, hitting the fastball on the outside corner, a curveball hanging on the inside corner, shooting a ball up. The, like the guy is completely locked in. And I think the fact that he's hitting 478 for the month of June in the first week is also pretty evident. Totally. Corbin Burns, after the game, said he got a good haircut, and now he's the best hitter on the planet. <laughs> so Corbin Burns loving it, and uh, hair game recognizes hair game. Craig Council also, uh, yeah? No, I was just going to say, like, with <laughs> Weimer and, and Terang, because those were two of the three guys that came up. Obviously, Mitchell can't say much about him with the subluxated shoulder. He's probably done for the year. But Joey Weimer started to show that he was making adjustments. I know Bryce Terang had two hits in the last game he played for the Brewers, but he went on a one for 42 spell going into it. It just looked like he was kind of toiling around. He was even more advanced than Joey Weimer. I think this is huge seeing that Joey Weimer is doing this this early, showing that he can make adjustments because Terang was more ready than Joey Weimer. Terang had played more minor league seasons than Joey Weimer. He was more seasoned in the minors, but Weimer was showing the fact that he was already making adjustments. Now, I mean, we didn't get, we're, we'll get to it more, but Terang was sent down. And I think that's the right move right now. He's not hitting. Confidence has to be an all time low. And Luis Arias is, is back healthy, though so far. Hasn't had very good returns. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I guess, you know, some people just when the lights, you know, get a little brighter, Rowdy, they step up to the occasion. Uh, that's what Joey Weimer's doing. I really think it's because he, when he has struggled, he has said, I still need to help this team win in other ways. And he does. Yeah. Where if I can't get a hit, I'm going to play great defense. Yeah. I'm going to try and steal a base if I get on, even though I'm not hitting, you know, three home runs and missiles a game or, from the outfields. And. When you look back and I gave, you know, Joey Weimer's projected uh, season end, if it ended today and we extrapolate his stats out, this was a guy that coming into Major League Baseball, he was kind of like a projected 250 to 260 hitter. So at 231, as of what it would be today, there's still room to grow, but we saw him struggle for a solid six yeah, weeks. Yeah. The 26 home runs, he's probably a 30-plus home run guy. And the 73 RBIs, I wouldn't be surprised if he really got locked in. He's a 90 to 100 home run guy, and that's on top of 20 to 30 stolen bases and having a laser arm and being athletic in the outfield. I, I'm excited. I like this dude I when can, he came yeah, out. Can, you're definitely and, excited, Rowdy. I can tell. <laughs> I hope we can get him on. The last time I talked to him, he said he was going to come on, and then we couldn't figure out a time. Yeah, and he was the guy that dropped the – he swore on this airwaves, right? He might have. Yeah, he dropped an S word, and that's fine. We'll let him do it. Everyone else, you're on the naughty list. Dump, you get the dump button. Joy Weimer, we let it fly. Yeah, we talked to him while he was sitting on his porch. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. The world's shutting down. Yeah, he's like, I'm sitting here on my parents' porch, porch, and I'm talking to you guys, and I'm probably going to go hit some baseballs later. That's, and then COVID happened. Well, COVID was happening, and then, you know, the world shut down, and turns out should have been able to go and live his life, but could have been the best thing for him. Here is Joey Weimer after the game with Sophia Minner. Take a listen. Some good stuff right here. Oh, maybe not. Um, let's try that again. Sophia Minner. Sophia Minner. 
Thanks, Stephen. Joey, what a night for you at the plate. A career night, your first career multi-homer game. You walk it off last night, you come right back tonight with four more hits. What's the confidence like for you right now at the plate, the way you're swinging? Yeah, it's a little higher right now than it has been, um, but but still not going not gonna to lean my head on it. Uh, Got to go out there and play every day, so going to be ready to play tomorrow. What do you like right now about your at-bats, just in terms of how you're using all parts of the field? The first homer, opposite field, the next one, right inside the foul pole. Yeah, um, when I'm going good, that's what it's like. Uh, just try and stick to my approach and put a good swing on the ball. Is this gas, Joey? Is this what gas at the plate looks like? Yeah, this is gas. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, this is gas. Uh, Craig Council on the podium, too. Council talks about how Weimer is just hammering strikes. I mean, I think he's he's aggressive, um, seeing the ball good, and um, just trusting what he's doing. How, is it is it hard to explain the difference between the like the first couple of months and, and what's happening right now? Because like hey, we knew that power was in there, but it just wasn't necessarily showing up. Well, I mean, I think players get hot, and he's it maybe maybe take him took him a little while, and he's obviously. In a, in a really good stretch right now where he's seeing the ball well, um, getting good pitches to hit, um, and not missing them. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of where it is. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's producing a lot of offense and doing big things for us. Why does it sound like Craig Council is, like, getting tortured under the table when he's up there at a press conference? It's always those deep, long sighs. <laughs> Get a little excited, Craig. How about this for Joey Weimer? Uh, now, this is from the previous game when he had the, uh, the walk-off, or the, uh, yeah, the RBI single. Joey Weimer is the third Brewers rookie to hit two walk-off winners in the same season, joining Jeff Jenkins, 1998, and B.J. Suroff in 1987. Both overall became pretty solid players. Yep. Weimer, the third Brewers rookie to do so. And then, uh, um, let's see. Well, I mean, we'll get to the Brewers. There's a lot of stuff How about to get to. Willie Adamas having a home run in his first yep. game back? Just, we're going to get to that as well. If Willie Adamas is back. It's nice to see him not having a fractured you know, brain and a, or a skull and a, a scattered brain from getting that liner to the face. Uh, that was nice. And, again, how about only two pitchers used last night? Burns was so, so freaking good. And Burns didn't even throw 100 pitches. No. Not, <laughs> do you think Council's sweating it out? He's like, oh, God, he's getting close. And then uh, what, this, what What was his name? Sousa comes in? Yeah. Yeah, comes in for, you know, gives up three hits, two runs. <laughs> but he is what he is. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, the Brewers are up 10 to nothing When you went through a billion pitchers between your rotation and your, your bullpen, I mean, this is a guy who wasn't expected. I mean, this isn't a guy expected to no, really hold yeah. a role in your You're bullpen. To nothing. He, this is like a quadruple A type pitcher that was going to be used between triple A and Major League Baseball when they needed a fresh arm. They'd shuffle him up, and then when uh, you know maybe a few teams have seen him, they'll shuffle him back down to protect him. And he was a fringe Major League Baseball guy. But you know what? In a game where it's ten to nothing, and, and Corbin Burns has thrown eight spectacular innings it's time to throw him out there and let him log an inning or two yeah. you know so that the rest of your bullpen can take the night off because even if he gets hit pretty hard by a pretty good baltimore orioles team you were up 10 to nothing and there's yeah. there's almost no way he could lose it yeah orioles he only used two pitchers too kramer and then uh, zimmerman came in so five innings and three innings and how about 
Uh, just looking at the uh, statue really quick here. Singleton Rowdy with a hit and a run, and you have Monasterio with uh, Dude, a hit and a run. He's, Monasterio <laughs> has played on? really well. <laughs> he's hitting 320. Like for, for a guy that's older that is just making his big league debut, like yeah. literally in the last month, like this is a guy that he's 26 years old. <laughs> like that's that's – for never seeing Major League Baseball at 26 is where you start to go, this prospect's kind of getting older. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think he's really got much staying power, but he's playing well now. Yeah. And that's what the Brewers need when Bryce Terang is now in AAA. Luis Arias was out pretty much the entire season. And what, since he has gotten back, hasn't really produced. And Mike Brasso, another guy that was a, you know, a key utility guy, He's in AAA. So someone's got to play. Might as well be him. And he's hitting 320. Might as well be him. All right, let's see. Some people want to talk some brewers on the phone. Oh, let the sun beat down upon my face and the stars, a.k.a. Rob Reichel, fill my dream. Hey, Robbie. How are you, buddy? I got Cashmere playing, Led Zeppelin. I got Rob Reichel on. I got Rowdy here. We're nearing the weekend. Going to talk some Packers. How could it get any better, Rob? How could it get any better? I guess it could if you you were a traveler of both time and space. Oh. But, uh, other 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 than that, no. It's uh, hey, I, hey, I'm I'm the lucky one talking to you, rock oh, Rob, stars, everything. I will so. be a traveler of both time and space. I just happen to do it on the weekends when I don't have any responsibilities the next day. You know, so. That is uh, that is that is a wonderful thing to have, have worked into, into your into your job description there, my friend. Uh, funny, hey Robbie, uh, today's the last OTA for Packers, right? Like th- this is the last of what nine practices? Yes. Yes, but then no. I mean, don't forget we, we've camp got, we've next got a mini camp next week. Next week so, is camp, and and, and and that should be pretty good. You know, the media is only allowed in once a week to OTAs, so there's only three of those practices over a three-week span the media gets to see but then next week um in okay the, the, we are supposed to see as many as three practices um <laughs> next week they will in all likelihood this hasn't been announced yet but next thursday um will let the players leave early that that practice turns into you know how it is. That practice yeah, turns like, into they go bowl. They go bowling. They, you know, they they find a place to paintball. You know, they like uh, and, Mike yep, McCarthy. Yep. Like like what what Big Mike do a couple times? Th- then they have like kind of like the mini circus there or something a while back. I forget I what it is. Mike liked up if I remember right, Evo, because I always leave then before that day happens because it's such a waste, obviously. <laughs> but if I remember right, Evo. Uh, my big big Mike always liked to bowl. Yeah, my be- big big he Mike looks just like looks a bowler. Like bowl. He just looks like a bowler. Yeah, like you, you can see him in your in your Wednesday night league, you know. Or some like mini tacos, you know. Uh, I mean, and, guys, I'll agree with you. He looks like a bowler. It's not like he looks like a marathon runner. He would have fit in right in perfectly. Had he never left Pittsburgh on a Wednesday night bowling league, you know, uh, he would he would have been the first and the last one getting pitchers. And, yeah. Um, it I can see him grinning ear to ear. a wonderful turn. Would have been a wonderful night for the McCarthy group. I just see Mike McCarthy there grinning ear to ear after he like just like you know got a spare. He's got a couple mini tacos in his hand and he's got a pitcher in his other. And he's just he's just hucking it up. I would love. I would yeah. love it. Bold, bold like a one. Bold like a one sixty and he's in heaven. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, that's that's big. That's big, Mike. Totally. Yep. Uh, <laughs> 
I miss him. Robbie, how about this? I know, I know, I know you miss him. He, he was quite a character. So. Matt LaFleur yeah, looks like a guy you'd never see the bowling alley. Matt LaFleur, I feel like you'd see him, you'd see him getting a, a mani and a petty and then his eyebrows done at one of the local establishments, and then he's drinking wine with his pinky out. That's not my kind of guy. I'm a big Mike. You, li- you literally just stole my line on manicure, pedicure. Yep, yep. That's, <laughs> that's exactly where you would see Matt LaFleur. And then, like, the old quarterback used to tease him about, you know, his, his, you know, 45, 45 minutes a day getting the eyebrows looking right. I mean, so, they look good. Um, Don't get me wrong. They look good. Oh, yeah. no, no. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he, he's the dream man of, 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 of half the women in Wisconsin, it seems like. But, uh, no, I, I, I get it. You know, he's, He's not quite the man's man that that Mike was. Almost like the last quarterback in Brett, right? So yeah, Rob. Well, how about this? When you compare the last two quarterbacks. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, we've talked a lot about Jordan Love uh, throughout these weeks uh, that I enjoy thoroughly every Thursday around eight twenty. What What about the rest of the roster? Uh, position battles. What's going? I feel like there's never been more in flux with the Packers right now than who's going to be you know a starter. Well, what say you, Robbie? No, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's a roster and a little bit of turnover, uh, a, lot, a lot of turnover, really. Um, I, I think training camp is going to be fascinating, Evo, when, you know, once we get there in a couple of months or six weeks, really, only. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get here quickly for us. Um, you know, I think, there's a, I think there's at least one, maybe two jobs open on, on, on the offensive line. That, that number three wide receiver, the slot guy is, is going to, uh, you know, be a battle. We're gonna we're gonna have to watch. I I, I think Jaden Reed's obviously the front runner there, the rookie. Um, but but I think that's wide open. The, the tight end jobs are you know snaps at tight end are wide open. Um, you know how quickly can can Musgrave and and Kraft take over that position and and then and, and steal snaps and become the guys versus Deguara and Tyler Davis. Um, I, I I think the, a job is open at defensive end. Uh, with, with, without question, um, I and I think the secondary's got a lot um, right now. I mean, if, if, if Darnell Savage is your lock at safety, a guy who was benched last year, you know that that that's a position in flux with a lot of potential turmoil. And I, I think I think that is going to be a fascinating one to watch through the summer. Evo, I, I think the number two corner, how quickly Eric Stokes can get back um, and try to get his job back from Rasul Douglas is going to be. Really interesting, and, and and I've told you this from the start. I, I'm not sold that you know Anders Carlson's going to be the kicker when when we get to week one, and there, there's an outside chance that you know that that still could be a Mason Crosby type of a player. Um, if, if if Carlson bombs through the course of the summer, I think they'll go and and they'll find a veteran to to kind of ease uh, ease into the season, and, and maybe they score Carlson on you know, uh, the practice squad or something like that. But, no, you're, you're, you're right, Evo, as, as, as we look through the roster, and I didn't even mention backup quarterback between Clifford and Etling, you know, that that could be a big one. Um, but, but just straight up the starters and, and some other jobs, and I'm going to write that over the weekend, Evo, we, we've got seven or eight that I think are really, uh, you know, that, that really is, as we sit here on, on June 8th, we're, we're not sure how it's going to look three months from now. Uh, when when week one rolls around. Now is that a good thing? I mean, is it a good thing or a bad thing, Robbie? I mean, obviously we're going to find out. But uh, what side do you yeah. want to lean on, good or bad? No, I mean, I mean, it's it's, it's probably not ideal. <laughs> You'd probably like to know who you know some of these guys are at, at this point in time. The one thing it will do, though, 
you know, iron sharpens iron, as they always say, Evo. And, you know, it, some of these training camp battles will probably make the winner of, of the battle stronger. You, you know, you won't, you won't see guys that just, just take Savage, for example, you know, Evo, he, he's got so much to prove coming back at, you know, at, at the safety spot after having undoubtedly his worst NFL season last year in, in year four. I mean, he's got to have a really strong training camp and, 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 and you know how it is, as watered down as the summers get now. I mean, I, I remember back, Evo, Mike Sherman, his final year in Green Bay, which is only, I mean, it's 19 years ago now. That they had 55 practices that summer. I mean, think about that. And we're, we're, Malapur hasn't put it out officially yet, but last year I want to say he had 15 practices. So, you know, th- things are undoubtedly watered down, and, 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 and they're not on the field nearly as much. So, you know, you, you, you would like a high level of intensity, but if, but if you're a proven veteran and, and, and your job is locked up, Evo, um, you know, you, you don't have to go out there in those 15 practices and turn heads. And they, they, they've got a lot of guys that, in, you know, in, in the course of this camp over those 15, 17 practices, whatever it turns out to be this year for Lafleur, are, are really going to have to shine to, to win their jobs. So, um, you know, maybe that has those guys sharper for week one, and, and that's a – and that's a byproduct and a positive when it's all said and done. But obviously, you know, you'd like to come into the season, you know, and, and, and they've had their people the last, you know, the last four or five years um, it's, you know, since, since they you know went to the NFC Championship game in 2019, Matt LaFleur's first year. They've had, you know, 19, 20, 21 of those jobs locked up when we get when we uh, get to training camp this year there's there, there's certainly a lot more and then they're, and they're making some veterans even Evo I think fight to to, to keep their jobs you know let, let's just take that offensive line for example obviously guys like Bakhtiari and Jenkins are safe I think Runyon is probably safe um you know at the other guard position but you know Zach Tom against against Yash is going to be a fascinating battle I think it at right tackle, and it, it seems like they're really making Josh Myers uh, ha- have a strong summer to come back and earn his snaps and, and win his job again, uh, where, where you know, in theory, Evo, they're bringing back all their guys from last year, but they're talking about, um, you know, jobs being open and, you know, possibly guys switching spots, and, and they're giving guys a various look at, at different positions and things like that. So you take a positional group like that, that on paper you say, well, they've got their top five back, they've got seven and eight back, or whatever it turns out to be. But there's going to be real real intense battles inside that room as well when, when, when it's all said and done. And, um, again, that could be a group, let's just take them, for example, sure. Evil, that benefits from, from that type of competition because when it, when, it, when it's all said and done, I think Green Bay is going to wind up having one of the top five offensive lines in football once hmm. they kind of sort through the, the sort through who exactly is going to wind up playing where. I think they've got plenty of talent up there to be an outstanding unit. Rob B. Speaking of talent, talking to Rob Reichel right now, Forbes.com, Conley Media, my man. Robbie, we have a question from one of our listeners on Twitch. Any chance they sign Amos last minute before the season starts? I, I think that's a distinct possibility, yes. Um you know, they, they've they got to list somebody, I guess, as, as the starter. So they're listing Jonathan Owens at, at this point in time. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, and, and, and I know he played a ton of snaps last year at, at Houston Evo. He was also one of the... Simone know, Biles' first, husband? Simone Biles' husband, Woo! you know, was... was he, he, he was also one of the, you know, poorest rated safeties in the league. Yeah. Uh, but you know, his wife is Simone Biles. Almost, 
in almost every single category. And and you can say what you want about pro, pro football focus. I, I'm actually a fan of it. I think they do really good work, and I, I think they put a ton of time into their scouting and stuff like that. Some people have their reservations and their doubts. But, you know, a, a guy like Owens last year ranked near the bottom in almost everything. So even if pro football focus is off a little bit, Evo, you're still talking that, you know, he's in the bottom quarter or something like that of safeties. You know, you really, in a perfect world, don't want to come back and have him be, be one of your starters. And, and, and I know they've got a couple other options, you know, potentially, I guess, you know, on, on the roster, like a, like a Rudy Ford or the Moore kid they signed out of out of San Francisco, but, but, and, and again, with, with Savage, um, having so much to prove, um, now Amos certainly slipped last year that, you know, out of, out of his four years in Green Bay last year was the, the poorest that Adrian Amos played. And, and I'm sure if you're Green Bay, you're saying he's got eight years in the league, you know, he's, he's 30 years old now. Um, you know, we, we'd rather go younger and cheaper and those kind of things. Um, but, but after they get, you know, maybe, halfway through training camp and things don't look real good and the kicker's going to be a same potential type situation, I think, Evo, you could easily see the general manager there saying, you know what, let's get on the back phone, let's call Mason Crosby, let's call Adrian Amos, guys like that who are still floating around that could undoubtedly come back and help this football team in 2023. All right, Robbie. All right, some good stuff there. All right, um, you know, since we're close against the break, and I always love picking your brain about some other topics uh, before I let you go, ah. I, I got to ask, does Rob Reichel give his seal of approval for Adrian Griffin, the new Milwaukee Bucks head coach? I don't know enough about it to yeah. even have a comment. Um, Giannis honestly, liked it. Giannis, Giannis yeah. approved it. You know, You know that league, right? It's all about keeping the stars happy and, um, it sounds like he, Giannis and Middleton certainly had uh, some input on the situation. And, and Well, how know. about this then, Rob? How about this? Speaking of stars, I'll, I'll give you your bread and butter. Do we have a star in the making in one Joey Weimer, Milwaukee Brewers, two home runs last night? Dude's crushing it. The other night he, he, got, he got two walk-offs already this year. The only other people to do that was a B.J. Surhoff, Rowdy, and, and uh, Jeff Jenkins. Jeff Jenkins. Uh, do we have Joey Weimer, a new star in the making for the crew, Robbie? Can the owner trade him at the deadline? <laughs> totally. Probably will, right? <laughs> what do you think of the no, crew right now? Hey, what do you think of the hey, crew? I, hey, I, I certainly hope so. They, they've been a cute little story to, to start the year. You know my reservations on that franchise and that organization. They're going to be they're going to be plus twelve. Uh, you know, on 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 July twenty fourth, and and he's going to take a Thomas and Burns or something like that and turn him into Dodgers. So we'll we'll see. I mean, it's hey. The, it, 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 it's the worst division in baseball, right? Uh, they, it, the AL the Central has something to say. <laughs> AL Central is worse, Robbie. I mean, we could have a debate. We could, have a debate. we okay. could have a debate. We could have a debate on it. Okay. Um, okay. It's arguably one of the worst divisions in baseball. So they should capitalize, <laughs> right? And, and I'll tell you what. If, if the owner at the deadline you know, pulls another Josh Hader and, and, and gets rid of, you know, key guys with a four game lead or something like that in the, in the division. I, I, I mean, I, I will lead the fan boycott then. Hell yeah. People. All right. I, I, I will be the first one down at, at Miller park banging on doors because the, the fan base in the state deserves far better than what Mark Adonazio gave him last year. Well, Mark Adonazio has given us a little gift, Robbie. Maybe June 16th, next Friday, we can go. It's Paige Sporanic bobblehead night, and I think Paige is going to be there if you want to go uh, you know, get your chops at X-Golf with Paige, if you know who she is. 
I do know who she is. That yes, a baby. Your wife not, must not be around right now. That a boy, Robbie. That, that sounds like a fun Friday night, Evo. And, <laughs> and, 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 and hey, and, and again, major props to Rowdy for setting me up with uh, outstanding tickets via home plate the other day. That a boy, Rowdy. That a boy, Robbie. Rowdy's the man. Rowdy's Rowdy is the man. Rowdy is the man. Rowdy, you want to think about? All right. Yeah, I heard that that bobblehead night with Paige Spranick is really going to be the tits. <laughs> See, Rowdy's the man, Robbie. <laughs> Rowdy's the man. Rowdy was just waiting to slip in that one-liner. He didn't say much, he didn't say much today, but he's kind of like Costanza, right? Leave, it, leave him on a high. Yep, and we'll leave it on that, Robbie. We love you, buddy. Much love. All right, boys. Talk to you next week. <laughs> See ya. Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media. All right, speaking of uh, some smoke, there's a lot of smoke. Where there's smoke, there's fire. There's a lot of smoke coming out of here of uh, the PGA and the Live. I wanted to get, RJ, I didn't get to talk about it with you yesterday. I know you differ on it than we do. So Live, for me, um, I'm not the biggest of golf guys. Like, I always love watching Tiger, you know, Phil Mickelson. You throw in a couple of, like, they tried to force Rory down my throat. I never was a Rory guy. I know he's good. I love me some uh, Ricky Fowler back in the day when he were speaking of orange. All orange. His but, Oklahoma State get yeah, up. Yeah. Like, I mean, Puma, he still does. His Puma gear. He doesn't do the full orange pants, orange shirt, orange hat anymore, but like the, still the does orange like flat the flat brim hat. Yeah. Like, still does the long orange hair. on Sundays when he makes it. He looked like a skater punk <laughs> out there trying to go uh, yeah. golfing. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm a casual golf guy. Now, I've, I've, I'll be full disclosure, I've gotten more into it because Rowdy's gotten into it big time. And, like, I love the storylines now. I love when you're fighting with Ben Kenny about Danny Willett. Um, you know, still it, owes me money, by the way. Yeah, has he responded? That Venmo is still pending. Wow. Uh, I love the is Tiger back? Will he make the cut conversations? And what I really love now is the drama that Liv brought to golf this last year and Phil Mickelson also being the bad guy. Two years, Two years yeah. And Phil Mickelson being the bad guy. I, I enjoy the all black. Uh, all, I'm dressed in all black. Phil Mickelson out there trolling people online well, and I mean, getting it done. The only reason Phil was the bad guy and – you know what? His whole explanation of why he f- actually made the flip, fine. That that works. You wanted more transparency in the PGA. You wanted uh, to know where all those sponsorship dollars went. You wanted to know why the purses aren't bigger. And magically, once people started jumping to live, purses got bigger over here. Um, I get that. But people made him the villain because of his... Bad MFers comment first off, being like, Yeah, I'm never going over there. Have you seen those guys? There's bad MFers. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's over there. Yeah. That's why he's the villain. Be like, Oh, you're a hypocrite. Right. Yeah. Much despite like despite Jay, everyone else in this scenario, like, hypocrites too. As I heard Jim Rome calling him yesterday, J, uh, J Money, Money Men, or J, I, <laughs> I forget how, Monahan, but it's like Money Man. Oh, the PGA commissioner? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so that's why Phil is the villain in a lot of people's eyes. Not the fact that he went over to live. It's the fact that he was basically chastising them and saying things like, you know, the, he had that moral dilemma and he made it announced and then went over. Whereas the other guys like Kepka, not that many people are upset at him. Be in the golf world because he's like, I need a break. My body yeah. needs a break, and I can go make money and not golf every weekend well, and Dustin, still be able to keep my card. And Dustin Johnson kind of said the same thing, too. He's like, I can golf less and spend more time with my family right? Like, I, and make more money. And yet all of them were at every event. <laughs> but did you guys see the rumor on why this merger officially came to be? No. 
there's rumors out there that John, John Rahm was linked to the live and was starting to work on a deal to go over and play live golf. No. And if you're the PGA, it's one thing to lose a legend like Phil Mickelson, who's in his fifties. Like he's clearly towards the end of his golf career, but you can't have Brooks Kepka basically lead for three out of four rounds in the masters and then win the PGA championship. And then you would have John Rahm slinking off to live. He won your Masters event. He's the guy that stole it off the the ring finger of uh, Kepka at the Masters. You, if he would have left for live, both of your Masters champions would have been live guys. Or sorry, both of your major champions would have been live guys. And when you look at some of these majors, which are clearly the biggest tournaments with the best players in the field and the most important. Half of the top 10, top 20 have been live guys. So well, with Rowdy saying, uh, Matt Adams, who uh, I, I do believe works for the Golf Channel, he was um, talking about how the live was an advanced talks uh, with a world number one and multiple major winner. I, I will tell you that I was able to learn new sources yesterday. Not the greatest out here. recently ranked uh, number one in the world. It is a multiple-time major champion. was in advanced discussions with Liv. Uh, I don't know what impact that had behind the scenes, but if players were starting to look at it and go, you know what, we have no reason for our alliance. So that's that was John Rahm then. Was John Rahm was, was the reported golfer that was going to... Yes, leave the PGA for the live. Who, by the way, will be in attendance June 24th at the Edgerton Town Country Club for the Zone Golf Scramble. But we'll have a picture of him anyways. That doesn't even make sense. What? We have no reason that to have be allegiance a, to the PGA anymore. And then he was going to jump to live? So did he know something here? Because but the guy flat out said he there's no reason to have a, an allegiance to the PGA anymore. No. They don't know. Well, like probably the, because he had won the Masters. I mean, he's always forever locked into that tournament. If you win a major, you're always locked into that major. Mm-mm. From For where he's at... The Masters is the only one you're always welcome he, back for. For where he's at, he's already going to be invited to all of these things. And you look at like the Kepkas and the Dustin Johnsons and all those. If those guys hadn't been probably as good as where they were at, they're obviously going to lose the the status of playing in those certain majors. He had nothing. I don't think he had anything to lose. And I think if you really look at it, a lot of these PGA golfers, I think you could see, and just from looking at it, didn't it not feel like the live and the PGA would merge or something would you know, kind of dissolve into the other because yeah. there was no way no the two entities were I never forever. thought from the beginning that the live would be a legitimate golf league for like the next hundred years. No, I thought they'd right. be like a flash in the pan. Exactly. They throw a bunch of money in it because they have money. And and it doesn't all matter. The PGA players that were poo pooed once this league dissolved after yeah, two years, five years, they, because they were as good as like the Kepkas and the Johnsons and some of these guys, they would be welcome back because they were that good and they would help sell tickets. Like they had to like, I'd get like spanked in a fine. The one come thing back I don't PGA. understand is all these guys' contracts were coming 
done after next year. And so instead they're ending the live after the 2023 season. But like, and no matter what, it it wasn't going to really go away. And it seemed like some of the top players who made their check right away were looking to come back. Yeah. And then you what? You cycle out a different set of players who want to go make money and then come back in three years. Yeah, I didn't know I what mean, the long the long play was. Yeah. Besides, maybe like finally we you know get the we combine forces but or something. I also noticed um, yesterday a lot of we have so much money. A lot that, of the golf talking. Like the Saudis heads. have so much money that it right. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like they literally it doesn't matter. A lot of the golf talking heads and even guys in interviews. Um, PGA people were kind of blindsided and being like this wasn't the solution of anything that was explained to us. And you have live guys who basically were like, Oh, this is what we were told was going to happen. So what happened, what we were told was going to happen when we came over here has happened. Yeah. So I'm guessing at some point in time, there was an agreement long before. So if these guys signed in 2021 and they were at some point told, Hey, we're going to merge with the PGA. Like, like, do you think Phil knew the whole time and he's just laughing all the way to the bank now? Like, like they're like, it, Phil's like, all right, boys, I'm going to put my neck out there for you and my balls. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'll, t- I'll be the guy that takes all the slings and the arrows for two years. And yeah. then you, you promise me that you get this done. So I'm back on PGA. It, it very well could have. And now he's like, laughing to the bank. It very well could have. Cause like to a T the live guys who have been doing interviews are like, oh yeah. I mean, everything we've been told. Is is happening right now? So, I mean, who'd you like to be in this situation? Live deals were eye popping when they came out, right? Two hundred million for Phil, a uh, hundred some odd million for Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Cam Smith. Well, Tiger Woods, Roy McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm were like as the the principal standard. We have morals here, and they left hundreds of millions of dollars on the table only for the PGA Tour commissioner to back them. What two years ago, a year ago? Yeah, and I'll be like, all right. We're going back to live. Well, and he's going to be the CEO of this new triad that's forming uh, and probably getting a very hefty pay raise. So if you're Tiger Woods, you turned on almost eight hundred million dollars because of this. Are you looking at Jay Monahan, the PJ Tour guy and be like, I need to be paid or is does it matter for Tiger Woods? That's like that. Uh, did one of you send well, that? It was doesn't Rory it seem like yeah. I, need money. Million. I need money? Doesn't it seem like Greg Norman, Phil Mickelson, kind of the two that helped spearhead the, li- <laughs> the best part this is live? Greg Norman's not involved in this deal at all. He's out. <laughs> but doesn't it feel like they knew that they were getting shafted by the PGA when it came to being compensated? Because all of these PGA golfers. They are contractors. Yeah. They're yeah. like your local contractors that work on your house, but they work for the PGA Tour, and that's how they get paid. Uh, doesn't it feel like they thought that they were getting, you know, the short end of the stick here, and where is all this money going to? Like like you said, magically when the live happened, yeah. these elevated events appeared where it's yeah. like now we have events where it's twenty million for a person instead of eight and a half or ten million. Right. It's like where did that money all of a sudden come from? Because even some of your stars left, you would think that you know, yeah. marketing and, and fan fan, you know, following would be lesser for mm-hmm. the PGA just because of certain stars leaving. Yeah. That would be like, imagine NBA or MLB or NFL. If you know, 10 stars left and went to a, 
the XFL. Like, clearly there are going to be people that tune into the XFL or stop watching NFL because their favorite star is no longer there. Well, it almost feels like Phil Mickelson and Greg Norman, they're like, where can we get a crap ton of funding and backing? (laughs) And they're like, hey, how about the Saudis? The Saudis are looking for favors around the world because of some of the the tough scenes that have been on them lately. They want to they want to buy back some good grace. Yeah. We are looking to up our paydays. Hey, maybe if they back us, we'll you know, whatever, we'll put up with this, but we will get paid too. We will get a better wage. I mean, and that it's almost like they've they formed a different uh league they formed a different union and guess what they got paid they won well i mean they went because the saudis already had live and offered it they weren't shopping the live around they those guys they, won they yeah. they found the partner that they needed to get their raise well, and they i will did say it. greg norman did not win no well at the end of the day he did not yeah well, <laughs> he, oh, he, did no, not. he got paid he got paid but, but now, like, he's, now he's, he's early now he's retirement out. yeah now yeah. he's out he was already retired he had a a, a, a vineyard uh somewhere he sells his own wine he has his own clothing apparel like greg norman didn't need this no um that and that's the weird thing a lot of these guys you want to shake it up even though they're they're well off i understand getting paid like a baseball player now uh is very tempting i get it but most of them's net worth they didn't really need this uh, they just wanted to shake it up. Like, I don't know the ins and outs of the PGA, but it sounds like there, there's a lot of animosity. I mean, it's a there. like like Rowdy said, they're independent contractors yeah. who, you know, the only way you get paid is you win. If you win, you get sponsorships, so you get more money that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're struggling to like move struggling. on from the corn corn fairy tour, True. I mean, it's it's almost like. Guys toiling in the minor leagues in baseball, you don't make that paycheck until you make the majors. Yeah, and in in golf, you don't make the paycheck unless you make the cut, unless you start finishing top ten. Yeah, unless you start finishing top five. Or if you're a golf pro from California, you hit a hole in one, people want to give you fifty thousand dollars for your club, and then you <laughs> and then you get an exemption then, into the next. Did the lab even offer anything to that guy? No, no. <laughs> they didn't know who he was. No. And, and then you. Go on to a podcast and claim you're the best in the world if you could drive like who did he say Rory? If you're yeah, if like you could Rory. drive like Rory, he would be one of the best in the world because his around the greens and, and short game <laughs> and is the, worst the best week in the of world. His life around the greens, <laughs> yeah. Then gets absolutely embarrassed where he gets dead last by four shots in a tournament he shouldn't have even been in. But if you're Rory, are you as rich as Rory is? Do you think you're more pissed on missing out on a 250 million payday or some schmuck you were nice to that had like a couple of good rounds comes out and says he's better than you then lays a turd the next weekend? I just like he peppered in schmucks in there. I I love it. I I bet he outside of being in a pairing with that guy, I bet he doesn't think about Michael Block at all. (laughs) Dude, this is the thing. I was watching a lot of that round that uh, weekend. Michael Block was a great story on Thursday. It was a great story on Friday. Hell, it was a good story over the weekend. And then it was Sunday. I honestly flipped on him the Sunday where he made the hole in one and he kept asking if it went in when he knew it went in. And for some reason, 
it pissed me yeah. off a little bit. Go in? Like after, I'm like, like you're a douche. First, you watch, you watch it go in, and you're like, oh, that's awesome. Go in? And then go, go in. Did go, no, it did go. Okay, that was the moment walking, I turned on. And then him. he's walking down. And I would say the crowd. Did it go? If in? I hit a hole in one in the zone golf scramble, which I will, I will say the go in. The go in. I would say it. Okay, yeah, but that's different. Ben Kenny and I agree. You're not a professional. Nobody nobody would have thought you'd hit a a hole in one. Ben (laughs) Kenny and I agreed. The moment we were out on Michael Block was the moment when he kept saying, did it go in? (laughs) Seriously, did it go in? I was out. He felt fake. I was out. I was done. All right, we'll hear from uh, Rory coming up here. Uh, His press conference was very interesting uh, yesterday. It was (laughs) the sacrificial lamb that is Rory McIlroy. I can see how he feels that way. I I can see how he feels... He saw, he's, he's like a whiny crybaby up there a little bit. I understand I how how he could feel jaded, though, over it. Like, if you're lied and, to blatantly in your face and it comes out in public and you didn't find out about it first, wouldn't you be a little I, upset? I understand. I get it. I want to get into Rory McIlroy, though. Rory McIlroy on the podium yesterday talking about how he was a sacrificial lamb. A sacrificial lamb. Rory he's already out on the links today. McIlroy. McElroy. Now on the tee from Northern Ireland, Rory McElroy. McElroy. Here's Rory from yesterday. Uh, I know you and many other golfers were offered substantial amounts of money to join Live. I was never offered oh, any money. My, oh, my apologies. Uh, should the golfers who maybe stayed loyal and turned down Live, should they be made whole financially? <laughs> I mean, the simple answer is yes. The complex answer is how does that happen? Right. And that's all that's all gray area and up, up up in the air at the minute. But, yeah, there's you know, it's hard to it's hard for me to not sit up here and feel somewhat like a sacrificial lamb and, you know, feeling like I've put myself out there and this is what happens again. Removing myself from the situation, I see how this is better for the game of golf. There's no doubt about that. But for me as an individual, yeah, I there's just going to have to be conversations that are had. When he says <laughs> that one, they should be compensated for it. And then he, you know, he goes on to talk about how he doesn't know how that would look, but yes, they deserve to be compensated for it. And then goes on to say, I feel like a, a, a sacrificial lamb. Um, why do you deserve to be compensated? Yeah, I don't understand you, that part. The the guys that put themselves on the line, they could in theory, they could have never been let back into the PGA and the live could have ended in two years and they would have been effed. Totally. They would have they, been blackballed. But, but they went out, they did that, they got paid. Why do the PGA players who didn't take the chance deserve to be Compensated? Compensated and paid for that. That, I, that doesn't make any sense for me. I don't understand it, it, it. it. It's like you lost. Yeah. You didn't do it. You lost. Sorry, you don't get paid. It's like, hey, I'm playing. Now, moving forward with the live and the backing and, and the elevated tournaments that they got in, that the live basically helped these PGA. Honestly, guys like Rory McIlroy and some of these PGA players can thank some of these live players for. Yeah breaking off because then that's when the PGA tour said, well, we're going to do these elevated events where now we're going to have 10, uh, designated events that aren't majors where we're going to make the, uh, purses for these tournaments, you know, 20 to $25 million that got them more money. And now they're what looks like to be 
coming back to the PGA and they're going to have bigger tournaments with more money, blah, blah, blah. In theory, that helps PGA. But why do you deserve to be compensated? It's like you turned it down. It's like, hey, I know what's what's the the Canadian Open is this weekend. What's happening? What's happening right now? What's the Canadian tournament? Open. It's like, hey, I'm in the Canadian Open right now. I know I didn't make the cut, but I played in the tournament. I deserve to be compensated. Pay me money for just showing up. Like the purse for the Canadian Open. What are they? What does he want to be compensated for for not going to the live? The purse for the Canadian Open is nine million this weekend. That's for every single golfer that's going to get paid. The elevated events are twenty to twenty-five million. Clearly, if it's a twenty-five million dollar elevated event, that's almost three times as much money to be divvied up between these golfers. And the PGA, like even RJ said this morning, magically came up with, "Oh, we have all this, you know, all all this money here for elevated events." Well, where did that come from? Yeah, clearly it was there, and clearly some of these live people, like Greg Norman. And uh, Phil Mickelson knew it was there, knew they were getting screwed over and wanted to make more money, wanted technically as their contractors, better wages. Now, my thinking is. Why? I just don't get how I deserve I, to be paid. I don't. I, I don't get how they're going to repay him. I don't get how you are going to find a live guy that took the yeah, money. They're saying now even more so rowdy that live players will be fined if they want See, to rejoin the PJ tour. Let's think about this. Uh, Ebo. Yes, rowdy. We put some investments into a Bitcoin company. Oh. And now this Bitcoin company rowdy. was not a part of any of the big, you know, standard, uh, it wasn't or there wasn't like FDIC. The, yeah, like yeah. no, no. It was. Like, it wasn't the big standard Coinbase's or. Oh, I understand. Um, I'm trying to think of it's, some of the other bigger like it's a newer wallet. Yeah, it was a newer wallet that was upstart that was very um, decentralized. Mm-hmm. But the United States and the government didn't like that, and then they throw uh, some things down on it, and all of a sudden it goes bankrupt. Guess what? Then. They said, oh, well, we're going to turn around and we're going to sell this thing. We're going to sell it to the highest bidder. Who buys it? It ends up being that FTX, the, the Brady, the Sam, Seb, Sam, what the hell is that? Bakeman freed that frog. That curly haired F. Yeah. He, his company buys it. Sam Freed Bank. Then he gets arrested. That thing goes belly up. Oh, then they go, okay, we're going to put your your company that you own your stuff through up for sale again. Then the Binance company Binance. buys it, which is now under investigation from the United States for all this dirty backdoor stuff, which, I mean, it's now mm. the government probably just wanted more of the cut Correct. because they were probably doing it too. Correct. But now that's going to fall through. And guess what? I'm probably going to be out the entire investment that I put into this, uh, what, probably just 20, 18, 19. Yeah. But here's the thing. I don't expect to be compensated because I missed out and lost. I want blood. I just want my money back, Rowdy. <laughs> but I'm not <laughs> expecting anything back. I don't want my gains. I just want my money back. No, I'm not same. I wouldn't be expecting anything back either. And Why? Guess what? Because I came up snake eyes when I gambled on it. I was a sacrificial lamb. I was a sacrificial lamb too. You know, hypothetically speaking, you know who gets money from this? Not us. Not me. That Sam Bankman Bank Free, whatever that idiot's name is from FTX. I hate that guy. Well, technically, he never took it because the sale never went through because he got nailed before. But and he's got an ugly girlfriend. Still, he's a turd, giant turd. Well, didn't he end up building like a big compound in like like the Bahamas or something with all that money? Like, he did something with that. 
Made you bet your ass if that was me, I'd be arrested. For what? Whatever he was going to be arrested for. <laughs> Would you have escaped from the to the Bahamas? Didn't he have to stay in like, no. the Bahamas jail or something? I wish all the bad things in life could happen to that guy. All right. Okay. Yeah, but yes, Rory McIlroy is a sacrificial lamb. We deserve to be compensated. I just don't know how. You don't deserve diddly poo. Diddly poo. You you didn't take an opportunity and you lost out. Yeah, you know who's laughing best now? Phil Mickelson. Sometimes you Dustin take the Johnson. opportunity and you lose out. Sometimes you don't take the opportunity and you lose out. Yeah. Life is a bunch of gambles and risks. Yep. You just got to calculate and make the right ones. And guess what, Rory? You calculated wrong and you lost. Same with us. Yeah, <laughs> same with us too. <laughs> but I'm not up here to call myself a sacrificial. Well, I maybe mean, I kind of am. But I'm not whining about it and crying. And <laughs> Rory. Oh, I'm not crying either. I'm just I'm using it as yet. an example. I don't. I like. I've never really cared for Rory McIlroy. I didn't hate him either. But I now I care for him even less after all this like crying on the podium about this stuff. It's like, dude, don't be jealous that your boys got paid and you're left holding your <clears throat> in your hand. Oh, well, the, the funny thing, the funniest thing about it all, too, Rowdy, is when people say, what about the moral side of things? What about the moral side of things? Really? Really? The moral side of things? Okay. I don't even get into that. <laughs> John Yeh Midwest. Not a Phil Mickelson guy. Not a Phil Mickelson guy for my, my buddy John Yeh. <laughs> I right, will come right back. I will say this oh, yeah. about Phil real quick. I love Phil in all black as the villain. Yeah, he's the it's, man in black. It's even better than just the normal Phil the lefty. You know, he's just la- you know he's been smiling ear to ear for the last two days. But there's also a little twist of all this. Uh, Greg Norman has rallied the troops that live, telling them to live is a... This is like a couple hours ago. The live is a standalone entity and will continue to be that moving forward. And that comes right from the top. 